You're muted, Alex. Dang it. Welcome to Help from Future Self. Howdy, Archons. Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self. It's the conversational Keyforge podcast made by and made for Keyforge friends. My name is Scuzzy Gru, and I am also called Alex. I am a Keyforge friend of yours, and I am joined by two of my best Keyforge friends. We've got Boulevard Blake. Hey, what's going on? And SC Steel. Hey, hey. So if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll know that for the last, you know, bunch of episodes, we've been getting updates on the Keyforge live event that Sydney and her crew were putting together. Um, that happened this past weekend. And Sydney, without telling us anything else, in one word, can you give me uh, uh, something that will tell us how you felt during the actual event? Extraordinary. All right, that, that has whetted my whistle. I'm very interested to hear how it went. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. The Keyforge Live Fan Run Tournament event. Multi-day, fan-organized, fan-prized, everything about that. Um, I think it's an, a remarkable achievement. I'm so proud that it was one of the co-hosts of this podcast who was intrinsic to that event taking place. But also, I have many, many questions. I'm so excited. So let's dive into it. Um, Sydney, can you give us an idea of what the genesis of Keyforge Live was? So it was really interesting that Archon's Corner did an episode where on the episode itself, they were simply chatting about wanting there to be a real live event and then just throwing out ideas of how it could happen, what it would need to happen, like how it would work. And they ended up ending the episode in a in a nebulous, is this a real idea? Is this something that could happen? And then on their Discord, just suddenly and immediately, there were a handful of people supporting their idea. And I... I know one or two of them like, well, actually, I think I know all of them from in-person events previously before the pandemic. And so I I like privately messaged like two or three of them saying, I want to help in every way I can. How can I make this happen? This is the experience I have. This is all I am willing to offer you. Please let me help you make this a real thing. And by the time their next episode aired, they had gotten so much positive feedback that it was worth it to them to actually look into doing this. And they had already visited a couple hotels, researched a couple locations, and uh, they brought me on to help with the the hotel forming and the the communications with the hotel. But they, they basically created the idea live on air and it, it grew from there. That's wild. Longtime listeners of this podcast know that you and your partner are, are convention fiends. <laughs> you go to so many gaming conventions to play Keyforge and other games. Is this your first time from an organizational standpoint working on that side of the table? Oh, that is a fantastic question. I was actually born into running conventions. My my parents met at a science fiction convention. And by the time I was Whoa. born, they were running science fiction conventions. So since so cool. I was like sitting in a sitting in a car seat that they brought in from the car at their convention running meetings, I I was sitting in on these meetings for basically my whole life. By the time I was 16, I was helping uh, what we call gopher conventions, which is basically being the the runabout that'll do little admin things, anything that's needed. And then by the time I was 18, I, I had my own uh, department and I actually worked uh, treasury for a handful of different really big science fiction conventions. But one of the things that always interested me 
was the hotel aspect of it. And I really hadn't ever had that experience personally because we always had somebody more experienced than me able to do that for the science fiction conventions. But I had been sitting in on all of the meetings with the negotiations and the discussions and the the problems and the solutions. So I was I was ready to to make the hotel aspect of Keyforge Live happen as smoothly as possible. Literally born for this. Exactly. Oh, yes. <laughs> a lifetime of experience. So like, obviously, when this happens, you're like, this is it. This is my moment. I was born <laughs> for this. I've been training my whole life. I, I do have a question about the the, the hotel aspect of that. Um, obviously, um, it's been a real rough year and a half for people in that particular industry. Um, did you find that they were very, very eager to please from the standpoint of having an event in the hotel space? That was actually interesting. They the they were absolutely eager to please, but their abilities were were actually a little bit stunted because of shortages as well as the the industry coming out of um just the situation it was in. So they when when Archon's Corner had first talked to them, they were a little bit short-staffed and they didn't know what the regulations would be, but some of the other locations they talked to, like like I said, they talked to a handful of places couldn't actually promise us an event would go off. So like they they first talked to Las Vegas. They actually looked at Las Vegas, but the county had so many restrictions in place that they couldn't promise that our event would go off in the time frame that we wanted, which is one of the reasons that they ended up in Milwaukee because two of our uh, two of the organizers are local to there. So it was very easy for them to actually go physically visit hotels and get face to face time with some of the um, some of the the sales reps. So that way they could get a better feel of whether a hotel would be actually able to pull something like this off. That's so interesting. Makes sense, though. All right. Let, let, let's talk about a timeline perspective here, because from from my vantage point, this got pulled together incredibly fast. I mean, I know from talking to a lot of friends who've run comic book shows and comic book conventions uh, and, and and related uh, cons that oftentimes it's a year plus in the planning stages. Like literally by the time one convention is happening, they're already putting down deposits and getting things planned for the following year to make sure that they have all of the spaces, guests and everything else they need. You did not have anything resembling a year. What was... What was the timeline like between you emailing and saying, let me be involved and the event actually going off? You are exactly correct. From my experience, we basically have contracts with the hotel about two or three years out and if possible, four multiple years. So the fact that this was happening so quickly, we actually benefited from the fact that a lot of hotels were vacant and wouldn't actually have um, obligations. So we could actually look at a couple different places and and this month and a half, I think it was maybe two months from when they came up with it to when it launched was was something that we we really just had a crunched timeline. So it worked out that they by the time they I had joined on, they had picked their hotel. So from that point, all I had to do was a bit of contract negotiation. But the, everything in that sense with the hotel is standard. So there, there wasn't much um, back and forth that had to happen. A lot of the time crunch came with inviting the, the staff and judges that were going to be on site. So basically all of the people that came, we were so lucky that they, they had the availability. So 
from that perspective, what did that look like logistically to arrange? Um, I know that, you know, you weren't involved probably in literally every conversation around that. But from your vantage point as somebody who was involved from an organizational standpoint, what did it look like to try and start to pull the, the staff that's required to run an event like this together? One of the things that was incredibly wonderful was so many people in the community immediately stepped up. So I I wasn't the only one. There's actually um, a local to Milwaukee who ended up volunteering his his time and expertise. Um, uh, shout out to John from Milwaukee, uh, Lokakar on the Discord. But he he also just decided to to let Archon's Corner know that he would be willing to be there and staff and and do what was needed. Um, but for as for the uh, event running itself, they had some people in mind that are actually local to one of the members of Archon's Corner in Texas. So um, these people were friends of, of Z, if you know him from the Discord, and they've run events before. They were very familiar with magic. They had, in fact, run Keyforge events in the past, but one of them, uh, Andrea, was an event runner for magic. So that was her, her day job before the pandemic. So again, we, we kind of lucked out with everyone's availability. So her and her husband were available to, to come up that weekend and run an event. And it had been the first one she'd run in over a year because her, her job stopped when Magic stopped having uh, large events. And as as for the judges, I think they're actually, they're very well known. Uh, Duncan and Josh, they've been at so many different oh, world yeah. tours. Yeah, they were working for um, uh, Cascade before Yeti and they were able to come out as well. And we, I, they I told them both multiple times over the course of the weekend that out of all of us running this convention, that they were the most irreplaceable. The fact that they were not only incredibly good at their craft, but they also were trained in what we specifically needed. And so all they decided to do was start brushing up on the rules because again, for them, it had been a year and a half. They hadn't actually ever judged an in-person event with Dark Tidings before. So they, they're they hilarious. They're the kind of people that they, for fun, talk about rules questions. Like they in their free time at the event were chatting about like if this card was in play and it was affected by this card or if the tide happened at this point in time, what would the effect on this? It was so funny watching them just for fun chat about rules questions. Oh, that's also, awesome. Super cool to have that kind of mindset. I think when you have that kind of responsibility, you know, it's not a, not something that's thrust upon you. It's much like you, something that they, that's probably like very intrinsic to their nature. That's very cool. I got to ask this question, Sydney, um, without wanting to sort of talk too much about uh, your, your personal life. I know that uh, a part of your day job involves juggling numbers. And were you involved <laughs> in this from like a financial standpoint? Were you looking and crunching the numbers and trying to figure out what you had to do to make this work? Because I don't know that people who've never been involved with putting on large scale events, um, you know, really understand the actual ins and outs and the break-even points and, you know, the the actual margins on things like this. I think a lot of people just see like, wow, there's so many people here and, you know, everybody paid, you know, X number of dollars to get in. So clearly the organizers are raking it in, you know, <laughs> on a personal level. Whereas in my experience, it's never like that. And everybody's always just like shaving as much as they can to make sure that the event is still affordable for people while still not losing their shirt. What did it look like to you from that perspective? You are so absolutely correct. One of the things that I'd had experience with because I had been a treasurer for previous conventions is the fact that cash flow is more the issue than in a, any amount of money. So any any amount of money that was going to leave us 
most likely was going to happen before the event or if we're lucky at the event. So like the deposit on the hotel or paying for transportation for certain attendees or anything along the lines of merch or prizes, like things we needed to buy, all the money had to go out before the event. Whereas we we expected a handful of the money to come really close to the event at last minute registrations as well as the at the event itself. So what we had to do, we, we decided we would do the GoFundMe and we were completely transparent with exactly how the numbers looked to us. And we, we listed that on the GoFundMe and we were extraordinarily thankful that not only did multiple different people step up and that support us with the GoFundMe, but we also actually got a sponsor. I don't know if you guys have heard of Luxury Play Style, but they are the absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous tokens. And they just, right off the bat, they gave us $1,000 to go ahead and, and seed this to get us started and couldn't be more thankful to them. But that also really helped with the monetary planning because we got that before the event started. So it worked out really well that we were able to, to, uh, compensate the um, people that we were appropriate to compensate, but also like make sure that we had enough on hand, including all of the, the um, uh, custom merch that we had there. So we had, we had some play mats with our uh, logo on it. We had some tapestries. We even actually created a tide card with our logo on it because technically, like actually a previous help from future self that I gave, the tide card is always in play. But because in the sealed game, everybody was going to have a mass mutation deck, we just decided that every person who came would get a tide card with the Keyforge Live logo on it so that they could have a valid tide card to play. And all of that cost money to do beforehand. We decided Mm -hmm. against printing individual t-shirts just because projecting the sizes that we would need, especially with the um, merch that we would probably have left at the end of the weekend, we couldn't risk sinking that much money into t-shirts. But also all all of the infrastructure that we got put into place beforehand from the art to the website, like all of that stuff that costs money, now that we have it in place, it's something that won't ever cost us money again. Not that I'm saying anything about future events, but also not that I'm not saying anything about future events. (laughs) (laughs) Very diplomatic. (laughs) (laughs) I neither confirm nor deny. So what did putting together prizing for the event look like? That was really cool. I was completely surprised at how... I mean, I guess this this sounds, I guess, a little conceited, but how successful in previous OP a lot of our community has been because we had people donating real OP um, uh, prizing. So we had two of the Shadows figurines and we had about, gosh, I would say about 100 playmats, about three to 400 chain trackers, and then everything from the official tokens that were handed out by FFG to the official train chain trackers to all of the um, all of the little things that you can imagine. Uh, I, I'm blanking on them now, but our, our prize wall was overflowing with, with wonderful donations from the community. Almost all of it official OP. And what wasn't official OP was even cooler because you know how Balance Sheet is the artist for a lot of the Keyforge art. We actually Mm -hmm. had some of his mats on our prize wall and some things that, you know, you don't normally get in prizing. Some people commented how 
amazing the boxes that the Keyforge OP come in when delivered to the um, local game stores. And so we also had those on the prize wall because what other chance are you going to have to get these things? So um, and one of the some of the prizing that we also had over the course of the whole weekend was um, Luxury Playstyle also donated some of their tokens. So different winners of different side events including the main events, got different luxury playstyle tokens. So over the course of the whole weekend, we were just, we were shoving prizing on people. We wanted to make sure everybody went home with with something and everybody earned something. But we also wanted to make sure that we had those really, really high ticket items. Some people pooled their tickets together with other people to get the, actually, both of the Shadows figurines were two di different sets of teams pooling all their tickets together. And actually, that's another thing. By tickets, I actually mean stickers. So we we printed hundreds of stickers with our logo on it. And those we were giving out for wins and participation in all of our events. And those were basically the Amber Shards. And something, something we liked about that, other than being able to, like, it's not official prizing in any way, but unlike Amber Shards that you win in a, the Keyforge app, you can pull these together. So that's how that's how some people walked away with the uh, sh the shadows figurines. That's cool. I you posted a couple pictures in our our just our our help from future self chat showing off some of the stuff, and I was just so blown away by it. Like it looked. If you had told me this was like a a, a official event that had prizing from FFG officially, I would have a hundred percent believed you. So the fact that that was a community coming together to do that was really remarkable. We've been getting updates on what the projected attendance was like every week when we've been talking to you about it. What was the actual attendance on the event itself? So we ended up having a t total over the course of the weekend, we had over 90 people. But um, for the uh, sealed event, so I'm I'm gonna say this because I think this is the right number, but the, the exact numbers are escaping me, but I think we had 88 people for the sealed event on Saturday. And that, it just, that absolutely blew my mind. For the survival event on Friday, we had um, something around 81 or 82 people. And then for, for the team event, we had something more along the lines of 54 people. Um, a handful less people participated in that. But one of the things that we did, because we had so many people uh, registered for the event, is we had, um, we had planned side events, four round side events on all three days. And so once people were, especially from survival, where you're officially eliminated once you have three losses because all three of your decks are out. Mm -hmm. um, so other people could start playing in, in bigger, larger events. And those were also extraordinarily fun and, and really well attended as well. On Friday, we had the uh, four round leaderboard sealed event. So how we worked that one was we actually had leaderboard decks and those aren't allowed to be sold and we didn't want to give them away. So what we did was give a leaderboard deck to each player as well as a coda deck. And I think maybe um, either Dark Tidings or Mass Mutation. And um, we gave them those as their sealed pool. So everybody walked away with a leaderboard um, deck, no matter whether they won or not. Um, oh, and then on to your experience that you shared on the last episode. <laughs> yeah, I, was, yeah. I was paying attention while I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then Saturday, we uh, did a four-round 75 SAS cap event. So um, that that actually helped uh, even the playing field a little bit for uh, some of the people that brought their killer decks for uh, survival. 
um, they had to they had to lower that power level a little bit. And then it was really funny on Sunday, we had a four round Dark Tidings Archon event, but that one was actually a little less attended because we started throwing some really cool, really weird formats out on Friday. And that was that the those were the kinds of things that you're never gonna see at an official FFG event. One of those events that we threw out, um, I forget who created it was somebody on Archon's Corner who who came up with it, but the event was called Shredder. The and there the, the way that that works is, or at least they did it a couple different ways because uh, they had a bit of a time constraint. So one of the ways they did it is that you replace a card from each of your houses. So you'll have three of them in your deck and you replace a card with sh- the card called Shredder. And so you pick which card you're replacing. You're taking it out of your deck. And because these Shredder cards were printed, they aren't real cards. Um, They were actually just put into the sleeve with the other card. And these cards called Shredder read, action, Shredder cannot be shredded or purged. Play, choose one, shred the top card of a player's deck or shred one to three cards from discard piles. So you would literally grab a, the cards from the top card of the deck or the discard pile and rip them up. Oh my God. And so like in the, the first time we ran this, the uh, winning deck had 26 cards left in it. And then um, the, the second time we ran it, I think the winning deck had like 22 cards in it. It was a three round event. So by the time you're getting to your third round, you're, you're playing with a smaller and smaller deck each round. And so um, thankfully one of the, uh, one of the organizers, I forget who brought trash decks and I'm air quoting here the decks that he was okay not going home with and uh, these had already been like a teensy bit vetted but um, you you got a random one of those and it actually you you could rip up cards from your own deck like let's say you had a couple cards that were just slowing you down you could choose to rip up cards from your own discard pile or if your opponent had two dust pixies you could rip those up and, and watch the look on their face as they're as you're ripping up their their two amber pip cards it was just it was the people who played that had so much fun and that was the whole reason for the whole weekend like the amount of fun had this weekend was was just insane but the the other event that we had on sunday that was probably something you'll never see at a real ffg event is we actually played cube so uh, Justice Blinded oh, nice. on Discord, yeah, Eric had come up with a, um, a method for drafting cards to make Keyforge decks. And he brought 100% of the supplies necessary from the, um, the loose cards to the uh, stickers that uh, were part of his, his Maverick rule. And then also the, the penalties that go inside your deck in case you don't draft 12 cards for the house you're going to use. So he he ended up bringing 100% of the supplies to do that. And I think they played two separate uh, uh, tur- or tournaments on on Sunday just because the people who drafted ended up loving it so much. And the, the deck that he got, he got like three Martian generosities and a couple key abductions. Like the, the drafting was insane. Somebody got a, um, a logos house with a couple library accesses. And it's just that what you can do with drafting, like not my style, but the people who played it had so much fun. That's really cool. Now I have a question about your experience at the event. And I was wondering, what were you more excited about getting to finally play Keyforge IRL in a tournament format 
or getting to actually meet all these people that you had come to know over the course of the past year from being online and becoming more and more involved and renowned in the Keyforge community? Which one did you did you find more exciting? A hundred percent the second one, like no question. <laughs> Seeing the people there, I was slightly a broken record over the course of the weekend because every time I met someone and like I met them and they introduced themselves by their real name and then like 10 minutes later, somebody will reference that person by their username and I'd be like, oh my gosh, that's you. It was just such a weekend of, oh my God, I know you. But like, I met you over the internet, but like, oh my God, I know you. And uh, my, my favorite one that happened was on um, on Thursday. So the the volunteer that I mentioned earlier, John Lokakar, he actually threw an event on Thursday at his game store, Pink Bunny Games, so that some of us organizers could actually play in some events because over the course of the weekend, I actually didn't get to play in anything, but I did play in his Mass Mutation sealed event on Thursday and Razcore shows up to this and uh, I walk into the game store and I recognize him as someone I had played in person like before before the the pandemic and so like I'm like oh okay cool casually talking with him and then I'm like I recognize this voice where do I recognize this voice and then somebody from like someone from somebody else somewhere else in the room like references him and says Drazcore and I'm like oh my god I love your podcast and it was just so crazy to to just be hanging out with like that username that person in person and I was doing that literally all weekend like when I met sad crybear in person and he was telling me like uh I I need I need a team for teams I'm like I have two people for you like I'm gonna make this happen for you because you're so awesome and I know who you are and that's just so cool but like also recognizing the people that had helped us out over the course of creating the the event itself. Um, Mason was there and Mason helped us with um, the, the video that we created. And I, I didn't recognize him because uh, he his username was M.M. Leto and he's wearing his badge that he created with Mason on it. And it, it took me a little bit to realize, oh my God, you're that Mason. Oh, I do have to mention the badges. So what we ended up doing was we more trash decks. If if you ever want to get rid of your collection of crappy decks, throw a Keyforge convention. There are so many ways you can get rid of your crappy decks. <laughs> what we did was we I'm put- I'm taking notes here. <laughs> we put out badge holders and we put out multiple different crappy decks and we put out those small stickers and Sharpies. And you put your name or username, I put both, on the sticker, put the sticker on the card and wore the card around inside the badge holder. So I ended up taking, okay, I will admit, I looked for help from future self, but there are probably no decks in the world bad enough to trash so that I could take a help from future self card. But I took a chaos portal and I was chaos portal for the whole weekend and it had my, my name and my username, but the kind of cards that people chose to like describe themselves, it felt so like, like a personality test. Like Z took oh, Lord cool. Invidious and um, Ben, the guy who ran our prize wall, he took Swindle. It was just so funny how people like expressed themselves through the Keyforge cards that they picked for the, uh, for their badges. So that was, that was also really cool. I love it. That is really neat. So tell us a little bit about some of the results coming out of the event. 
Sure, sure. So um, on uh, Friday, we had the uh, three-deck survival. And um, so funny, the, the person that won ended up going all the way with their second deck. So they didn't even play their third deck. Their first deck went two and one, and then they played their second deck all the way to the end. And it was it was so awesome. Um, this person happens to be Sith of Angmar on uh, Discord, which is hilarious because he's a teammate of mine on ABR. And I had no idea my friend, my my friend from before the pandemic, Corey, was this person, Sith of Angmar. So Corey won the survival on Friday, and on um, Saturday, the the sealed event. These games were absolutely incredible because the the back and forth between all of these decks, especially in sealed, because Mass Mutation really never had its day. Like somebody pulled a double Dav deck for the sealed event. It was it was oh, insane. Wow. But um, Jason ended up winning uh, the the sealed, and he, oh, he was a um, J- Jason is a member of KIP Kip Knowledge is Power, and um, if I'm not mistaken, Corey was a member of Reapout. And then on Sunday, our team event was uh, they named themselves. The team name was Sass and Friend because there were two. Team SAS members on this team and Drazcore, Nick, uh, was also was playing their reversal slot. But Nathan and Casey, um, so uh, Corey Than and uh, X-Ray Creator on Discord and Drazcore won the um, three the team event. So congratulations to everyone. Everyone did such an amazing job. Like I absolutely commend everyone that was there. We even we even had a fire drill during one of the events and everyone handled it so incredibly well um props to the uh the fifth whatever whoever 15 year old at the quinceanera ended up pulling the fire drill thankfully there was no actual fire but um when when everybody <laughs> came back into the room and the judge was very duncan was very good about telling everyone like everybody like before you start playing um uh does everyone agree who uh, is whose turn it was and nobody rose their hand and then um whoever's turn it is tell your opponent the last thing that you did and anybody not understand, nobody raised their hand and then go. So like, it was just, everybody was in such good spirits. Everybody was such good sports. And for as high level play and as competitive as the whole weekend was, everybody was just so nice and wonderful and chatty and just really, really good people came out to play Keyforge. Amazing. So Without wanting to put you in a position where you can't comment on something, <laughs> if I was to ask you if you thought that there was even the vaguest possibility that we might see a comparable event, maybe scaled up a little bit in sometime in the future, completely fan-run Keyforge event, what would you say the chances are? I can dream. I can dream and hope and and fantasize. And all I can say is that this past weekend was already a dream come true. I love to hear that. And if by some strange occurrence it does happen that there is a sequel to that event, I know I'll be putting it in my calendar and hoping to make it down for that. Same. Wonderful. Can't end an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. This one's called... Help from Future Self. Sydney, I understand you have one for us this week. 
So I I only got to play in Mass Mutation Sealed on Thursday this weekend, but I was very heavily watching the Shredder events that were happening over the course of Sunday. And those were exciting and super fun to watch. And and I had to turn away a couple times when when some of the cards were ripped. But my help from future self is if you ever play in a fan created variant or or any type of fan created version of the game definitely make sure you have the rules right or at least the rules disseminated to the people that are there because everyone was on the same page for shredder it was just funny a couple times when people accidentally tried to rip up more cards than they were supposed to and were were thankfully thankfully told not to but there were there were definitely a couple times when people went for a fourth or fifth card and and we're just really getting into the ripping up the keyboard cards and um had to be reminded that it's uh it's three at the at that time the next time they played shredder you know they could they could get that extra duck, dust pixie but um if you're going to play a fan-made variant just disseminate the rules before before you play the game and make sure everybody understands that's a good one you can find us on Twitter at HFS Podcast. You can find me at Scuzzy Gruen on Instagram and on Twitter and on The Crucible. Blake, where can they find you? What have you got going on? You can find me on Twitter at Boulevard Blake. And you can also find me on my YouTube. And uh, just I got some new series jumping off this week called Card Looks. Uh, it's a new analysis format looking at specific cards as requested by one of my viewers. And for those of you who missed out last round on the discounted cheap Keyforge product in different languages, guess what? It's going down again. Hit me up if you're interested so I can uh, figure out what's going on with uh, your details and keep you apprised as the situation progresses over the next week. It will be mass mutation and worlds collide in the mix. Uh, French and English in different varieties. Uh, the French obviously cheaper. So uh, please send me an email at, uh, you can either send it uh, through my Twitter or at uh, boulevardpaperfight at gmail.com. That's blvdpaperfight at gmail.com. It will also be in the show notes. Sweet Sydney. Where can they find you? What have you got going on? So I am SC Steel on TCO and Discord, and I wanted to save to this moment to just do a really, really quick shout out to, to a couple of people I saw that I didn't get to mention just because it was so awesome meeting you. I really wanted to thank uh, Flaming Hobo from Reapout and, and ABR and my Captain, my Captain, Aviator and uh, Dragon Master from ABR. And then uh, One Star Peeps, I got to got to see you in person instead of on your your YouTube channel. And then last but not least, Robert, a who came because he was a, specifically a fan from help from future self and that's how that's how we heard about keep forge live hello robert thank you so much for listening radical all right we got to get out of here a quick note i'm not going to be here for the next four episodes of the podcast but just like blake i'll be keeping tabs on it and i know that it's going to be interesting listening to me while i'm off on the other side of the country hanging out with my folks that don't stop the show until next time stay forged.